The Reputation Nation, Thoughts on Parshat Lech Lecha. Warren Buffett famously said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. Digitally, we can ruin someone's reputation even faster than that. One negative tweet, Uber rating, restaurant posting, rate my professor rant, or newspaper comment can damage someone's reputation irrevocably. There are websites today that try to manage or defend reputations to, quote, help professionals develop and promote a truthful and positive online image through proactive reputation management strategies. That's a mouthful. If it were only that easy, gossip, cancellations, and trash talk doesn't just disappear, especially in this polarizing climate. Buffett put the onus on the person rather than his or her critics. If you think, he says, about how quickly your reputation can change, you'll do things differently. Understanding the importance of a sterling leadership reputation is as old as the first Jew, Abraham. One of the most astonishing and understudied encounters between Abram, as he was then called, and his neighbors, appears in this week's Torah reading, Parshat Lech Lecha. In chapter 14, Abraham found himself amidst a battle between four kings and five kings when he tried to rescue his nephew, Lot. The verses are not easy to follow given the number of leaders involved and the complex geography. All war brings confusion and collateral damage. As the battle ends, quote, King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine and blessed Abram. The Jewish ritual of blessing wine and breaking bread originates with a foreign king. Abram then gave a tenth of what he owned to King Melchizedek, likely as a form of tax or tribute. Then the king of Stom, another of the kings who fought, said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the possessions for yourself. When wars are over, it's time to tally up losses and split rewards. Abram, however, was not willing to take a single Thing. Abram said to the king of Stome, I swear to the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, I will not take so much as a thread or a sandal strap of what is yours. You shall not say it is I who made Abram rich. Rashi observes that Abram was confident that God would provide him with wealth, as implied in Genesis 12, 2. He did not therefore want a human being to take the credit. Abram wanted nothing from these skirmishes. He gave a portion of what he had without taking as much as a shoelace. He did not even take a small and insignificant item. The Talmud in Chulin 89a concludes from this that Abram's descendants would merit two commandments that involve a string or strap, the thread of sky-blue wool worn on ritual fringes and the strap of the phylacteries, the tefillin. Abram, it seems, wanted to make a statement to those around him about his personal integrity as a leader, and about the kind of God he served. Abram attributed his success to God alone. War to him was not about bounty, despoiling, or exploiting the vulnerable. It was about mediating unfortunate obstructions to the divine promise he received. According to the king of Sodom, Abram was within his right to take what he had captured, but gave away his money instead. By not taking the loot of war, Abram was making a positive character deposit in the minds of the leaders who surrounded him. Abram was foregoing short-term gains for the long-term investment that was his reputation. When it comes to our reputations, there are no shortcuts. Later, in Genesis 34:30, after Dina was taken and violated by Shem, Jacob chastised his sons, Simeon 
and Levi, Shimon and Levi, for creating and implementing a devious plan to punish Shrem's community. Quote, you have brought trouble on me, making me odious among the inhabitants of the land. The Hebrew expression to make odious, achartem oti, literally means to make me smell bad. A smell is invisible, but can leave a highly potent signature of one's presence. The medieval Spanish commentator Avram ibn Ezra explains Jacob's fears. They will hate me as one loathes something which gives off a horrible odor. While there are many interpretations of Jacob's behavior here, one message Jacob tried to teach his sons is that our reputations matter. Even when others hurt us profoundly, we must always seek higher ground. Abram's defense of his personal integrity as a leader brings to mind another dramatic biblical moment. As the prophet Samuel aged and effectively retired from service, he strangely and publicly pledged his honesty. As it says in 1 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 4. Then Samuel said to all of Israel, I have yielded to you in all you've asked of me, and I've set a king over you. Henceforth the king will be your leader. As for me, I have grown old and gray. But my sons are still with you, and I have been your leader from my youth to this day. Here I am. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of his anointed one. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I defrauded or whom have I robbed? From whom have I taken a bribe to look the other way? I will return it to you. They responded, You have not defrauded us, and you have not robbed us, and you have taken nothing from anyone. One view in the Talmud in Nadarim 38a is that Samuel, Shmuel, like Abraham, was wealthy. He did not need to rely upon the bribes and handouts of his flock. But there's something deeper going on in this odd summative speech. Shmuel, Samuel, was a steward of the Israelites from his youngest years. His mother, Hannah, Hannah, pledged him to the temple under the high priest Eli when he was a child. As he retired from service, he recounted a lifetime of devotion to his people, culminating with a testament that they have weathered many storms together. Here I am, he says. Despite it all, because of it all, I'm still here with you. Samuel needed his flock to affirm that the associations people would have with him long after he was gone would remain positive and noble. If there had been any misunderstanding or misuse of his authority, let it be known now, Samuel stated aloud. The people, let it be known. Samuel, they responded in unison, took nothing. He was outstanding of character and trustworthiness. Reputations are fragile. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs affirms this in Essays on Ethics. When people associate religiosity with integrity, decency, humility, and compassion, God's name is sanctified. When they come to associate with contempt for others and for the law, the result is a desecration of God's name. We cannot always count on others to be fair. Leaders can control many things, but they cannot control what is said about them. What they can do, as Abraham, Jacob, and Samuel teach us, is protect the reputations they already have. So too with us all. We must work hard, serve, apologize often, compensate for error, and most importantly, assume others have good intent. The fact that someone may not judge us favorably does not mean we should do the same. And in the worst case scenario, remember that we are not the worst mistake we have ever made. 
nor is someone else. Our reputations are built on justice and a thousand small acts of kindness.